They're the joyful agains our children shout on the swings, the exhausting agains of cooking and laundry, and the difficult agains of discipline. So much of what we do as mothers is on repeat. So what if we woke up with clarity, knowing which agains we were called to, and went to bed believing we are faithful in what matters most? We believe God's word is the key to untangle from the confusion and overwhelm we feel. Let's look up together to embrace a motherhood full of freedom and joy. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Again. I'm your host, Stephanie Hickox, and this is brought to you by Entrusted Ministries. We're continuing the Untangled series today with Untangling Faith in Jesus. An Entrusted Lesson 1 talks about how a godly mother builds her home on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But sad to say, I think most of the world knows more about what Christianity is against than what it truly means to follow Christ. This episode, I'll be joined by Emily Deal and Jen Freckman, and we'll be sharing each of our testimonies and how we came to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. But first, I'd like to take a little time to share what the gospel actually means. For many of you, you've already heard these wonderful truths and you've embraced them. And I pray that it's encouraging to you as you hear once again what the Lord has done for you. And I hope that as you listen to our testimonies, you give your children patience as the Lord works out their salvation. It's his responsibility to sanctify them and to save them. Our job is to be faithful in pointing them to him, but it's not on our shoulders to save them. I hope that you're freed from that, but encouraged to to stay faithful in the truths of Scripture, that as parents, that we're not adding to the gospel, that we live by grace and give our children grace as we embrace our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? From the beginning, God's intention was to walk with us. When he created Adam and Eve in the garden, He walked with them. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered the world. They chose to live apart from God's plan for them. And the problem is that our sin separates us from a perfect God. And you might be thinking, but I wouldn't have eaten from the tree if God told me not to. But we've all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. We have a huge problem that we cannot solve on our own. Praise the Lord, that's not the end of the story. The verse continues. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And since this moment in the garden, God's intention has been to redeem and restore this relationship with us. So he sent his perfect son to earth to live a perfect life and to die on a cross, bearing all of our sin upon himself. And when he did that, when he took our sin upon himself, he broke the bonds of our sin so that we can now live for eternity with the Lord. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. 
It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man boast. We cannot live a good enough life to get to heaven. If we could do that, why would Jesus have had to die? Scripture says that he is the only way to the Father. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hebrews 9, 27, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. After we die, we will have final judgment. And at that moment, we will either have separation from God or eternity with him. To think that you can live your entire earthly life apart from the Lord and think that you will still enter eternity with him is not in scripture. That's not what the Bible teaches. In John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. And Ephesians 1, 7 through 8, In him, that's through Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. So there's nothing that we can do to earn it. But we are offered this free gift of grace by just accepting Jesus' sacrifice for our sin. But we have to admit it. We have to admit that we are sinners and that we have a problem, that we can't do it in our own strength, that no matter how hard we try, we can never be good enough before a holy God. Romans 10, 9-10 states that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. You can't just hear the words. You have to say them. You have to embrace what you've heard and act upon them. You have to agree with the Lord that you needed rescuing. And in Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you're hearing that for the first time, or if for the first time you understand that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ, you can, right where you are, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I understand that I am a sinner, and I know that my sin separates me from you. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins so that I can be restored to a right relationship with you. I surrender my life to you, and I ask that you would come, take residence in my heart, and transform me. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Maybe you felt that that all went a little fast, and it was overwhelming. You can go to some wonderful video teachings that we have that clarify this and give a longer explanation of what the Bible means and of what Jesus really did for us. Go to the resource section on our website, entrustedministries.com. Again, the resource page and look for those video teachings with Dave Corning.
They're fantastic for dads to watch with growing kids for discipleship opportunities or for anyone looking to strengthen their faith and their understanding of scripture. And now I'll be joined by Emily Dio and Jen Freckman. They're each going to share how they came to faith in Christ. And it's such a sweet opportunity for us to give the Lord glory by showing his steadfastness in pursuing each of us. Jen, let's just jump in and start with you. Tell us how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, I was born and raised into a Christian family. My parents both loved the Lord. My dad was a very hardworking man, worked in a factory, would be home by 3.30 every afternoon, and my mom would have dinner made. We'd eat dinner together around the table, a home-cooked meal, and then we'd go out and ride bikes and spend time together as a family. So I had a wonderful to wonderful childhood. My mom stayed home with all of us girls and she did not have a stay-at-home mom and she was in charge of doing all the cooking and all the laundry and the cleaning and taking care of the kids as the oldest daughter of the home and she did not want to do that for her kids. So she was very, very faithful to provide us girls a really good childhood where we could just be a kid and have fun. And they raised us in the admonition of the Lord and took us to church every day or <laughs> not every day. <laughs> Sometimes it did feel like every day we were there. That's where you rode your bike. Us, yeah, exactly. <laughs> took us to church weekly. We did Sunday services. And back then you did, you know, a morning service and then you went back for the evening service as well. And then we had to do Awana. I grew up doing that. So I definitely, there was, there's never been a day in my life where I didn't know the Lord. And mm. I'm so thankful for that. Yes. And when I was around four years old, I remember having a conversation with my mom. She was making cookies and I was sitting at the counter waiting for said cookies to be done. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's uncle had just passed away in a plane crash, mm. a small plane crash. And we were talking about, well, where is he going to go after he died? Is, did he know Jesus? And there was a question about, well, I, I'm not exactly sure. We don't know if he loved Jesus or not. And that idea to me that somebody might not love Jesus was new at like four. I was like, wait, some people don't love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was very concerned. And I'm like, well, then what happens when we die? And so when my mom went through that those who believe in Christ um, go to heaven. Those that don't have to go to hell. And and so even at a young age, I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. And so we went and I knelt on the floor. I prayed what you know people will call sinners' prayer, where I I asked Jesus, you know, to be the Lord of my life at four. And mm -hmm. from what I knew of growing up, sure, and going to church, I gave my little four-year-old life to over to the Lord at that moment. And I remember it. I clearly remember it. Um, confessing my sins to him. I remember hugging and being really happy that I was going to spend eternity with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then as, you know, you get older and you understand more, um, I remember our church had a building project where they were trying to save money for building the church. And I being, I think I was seven maybe. And I felt very called that they were talking to everybody in the church <laughs> that needed to give money. And so I went in our 
backyard and asked my dad if we could take some of the garden vegetables and if I could sell them. And so I did. I went door to door (laughs) and I sold vegetables. And I swear, one of our neighbor ladies was just so sweet when she heard my story of why I was selling vegetables and gave me like $5 for one. (laughs) It was really sweet. But I tell that story just to say, I I feel like at a young age, like the Holy Spirit was working in my heart Mm -hmm. and in my in my life, I had a sensitivity towards that. That doesn't mean by any means that I was sinless. You can talk to my sister. I very much was <laughs> not. But I do know and I do remember feeling, especially at different times in my life as I was growing up, the Lord calling me unto him more and more and revealing himself to me more understanding and love for him. Mm. When I was in high school, I had an amazing youth pastor, like loved him and his wife and his family. They just took me in and I felt like I became a daughter to them. They just were amazing. And he poured into our youth, unlike anybody really has in in my life. It's been amazing. He spoke to us as teenagers as though we were, I mean, he spoke to us at a level much higher, Mm -hmm. but he called us higher. He he made us, he gave us a vision and he gave us a desire to know more and to, to want to know more. And I remember him taking us to this thing in Chicago at Wheaton College called SEMP. It was students equipped to minister to peers. And I remember being like, what are you taking us to <laughs> Chicago? I'm like small town, Michigan. I had no idea what this was about. And I went and this place was lit up with worshiping and just gospel, total, like in the word and showing us scripture and apologetics and teaching Mm -hmm. us about our faith. And I had worshiped there unlike I had ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember there was one story that's just, it, it was really impactful in my life, but we were worshiping and it was so loud and the Holy Spirit was just so in that room. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden the lights went out and the power went out. There was a storm outside. We didn't know it, but all the power went out. And I was like, we just died (laughs) to heaven. Like, oh my goodness. It was, I remember looking around being like, oh, we did it. We entered into the throne room. And then we realized, oh no, the lights just went out. We're still in Chicago. Yeah, we're still here. We're still here. So I had that youth pastor who spoke truth into me and put a huge emphasis on being in the word and knowing the word and going to church and being around believers and sharing your faith, not holding it for yourself, but like telling others and evangelizing. And I remember him speaking often of first Timothy four twelve. my youth pastor did. And he would say all the time, let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and purity and I just, I remember taking that and being like, yeah, I, I, I'm young. It doesn't mean that I can't be effective for the Lord. I mean, to aspire to that. Definitely when I was in high school, there were times where I, you know, either dated or just was going through a hard time and he would speak truth to me and call me out things that I needed to be called out on and wasn't afraid to use the scripture to change the course of my life mm-hmm. to say this is doing you need to knock it off. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just so thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then fast forward, I met Eric, my husband, and he became my newest pastor who shepherded me and still shepherds me and and 
continues to insist that we live by the authority of God's word. I'm just so thankful for that. Mm. I look back in our life and I see different things like in close relational hardships, health, unmet needs, dreams that didn't happen or come to fruition. And every single time, all those hardships, all the things, not only was the Lord faithful and steadfast to me, but he used every ounce of pain to draw me into a deeper and more right relationship. Mm. And so even times where when we were going through infertility, there's a verse in Habakkuk 3 that says, though the fig tree does not bud and no fruit is on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. And it keeps going on. It says, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And so I remember when we were going through infertility and things, I felt like, oh, he's not answering my prayers the way I want them to. I will rejoice in him and I will hold fast to him. And in my heart, that's what I was feeling. I know that that is now as a more mature believer, I know that that is the Lord allowing me to have that. That's the Lord working in me and allowing me to draw near to him more. But I remember wanting so hard to hold fast to him and being like, you are all I have. If I let myself give in to this pain, if I let myself give in to the sadness or the discipline, my dreams aren't being met and my hopes aren't being met up to the expectation that I have. I know I will just give up on this and I don't want to do that. I know that my heart is desperately wicked. And so I can't trust it. I can't go on my feelings. I can't go on what I'm experiencing in my life right now and think that that's the truth. I have to go on God's word and whatever God's word says, that's the truth. And he's saying that these momentary trials are light, that they're not, that they're not everlasting and that he's overcome that. And so I would say that through it all, looking back, and even now, even in different t- trials that we're currently in, I can say that he is truly my thing. And he's the one that I, he's my best friend. He is the joy of my life and can make me, <laughs> can make me want to cry. But I truly, mm-hmm. he's, he's my everything. And, and, and without him, I know I wouldn't be, I know I wouldn't be who I am today apart from him working in my life and giving me his word and and these people that he put into my life, like my parents and my sisters and my youth pastor and my, you know, the different pastors that have just spoke truth to me and given me a love for the word. That was so beautiful to hear. I see such clear fruit of what God has done in you, but hearing the path to get there was just really, really beautiful. Thank you. And and hearing the people that poured into you, your youth pastor and your parents, such a beautiful story. Okay, Jen, I need to know what kind of cookies were <laughs> oh, they? so cute. They were chocolate chip cookies <laughs> because that is my mom's favorite and she does an amazing job with them. And they were always chocolate chip cookies. In fact, uh, growing yeah. up, because she always stayed home and was always baking and cooking for us, Every day when I would get off the school bus, there would be 
warm chocolate chip cookies for us waiting at on the counter and and she oh, was wow. always there greeting us you know I mean maybe not every day was it exactly <laughs> chocolate chip cookies but she was always there for sure and there was one time where, where mm. I got off the school bus and there were no chocolate chip cookies and no mom and I kept I went all over the house yelling for mom mom where are you and I thought that the rapture had come or something had happened and <laughs> She was nowhere to be found. And I was like, what happened? And then it came to find out she was just in the garden and had lost track of time. She did not actually die or leave this earth. (laughs) That's just, that's who she was. She's just always been there. So it was sweet. (laughs) That's so sweet. Okay. That's the kind I was picturing. So sweet. Yes. So Emily, I'd love to hear your testimony now. How did you come to know Christ as your Savior? Well, I think we're talking about friendship. And at the beginning, you had said we all have different stories. And I think nothing fuses friendship together than jumping in the deep end (laughs) and sharing our testimonies because you're just reminded of the goodness of God, honestly. Mm. Because I think I'm listening to Jen and I'm thinking over just my life and that song comes to mind. I will sing of the goodness of God mm-hmm. all my life. You have been faithful. Mm-hmm. And I think that just speaks to our the gospel in such a beautiful way because the gospel throughout my life is not has not been like a one and done thing of accepting Christ, moving on and doing my own thing. It has been a a journey of sanctification and relationship and refinement and and discipline from him and love. The gospel is a lifelong thing that he is just so kind and so gracious to us. So I, like Jen, came from a Christian home and I was surrounded by all things church. Our family gathered every Sunday at my grandma's for Sunday dinner. I had a very sweet childhood So the gospel was something that I was very familiar with, and I came to love Jesus at a very young age. I I remember asking my mom about heaven, and she talked with me about it, but I think I did not realize my need for him. I had a love for him at a young age. Mm -hmm. I did not realize my need for him until I became a teenager, and maybe there was just more of an understanding there. And so I would say for me, when I was 16 years old, I understood my need for him. I went to summer camp and came home and I talked to my mom again. And again, she was so gracious to walk me through the Bible and sit down and talk with me. And so I accepted the Lord as my savior when I was 16. That is the story of how I came to know Christ and And then fast forward later on, I got married Mm -hmm. and my husband and I found ourselves in a very legalistic church. And so I bring this up because whenever I think of the gospel and just the Lord's goodness and bringing us around and being so kind to show us, this was one area that the Lord really showed us in our life that we needed to exit was Mm. this world of legalism. So young married. We had one son. We came to this understanding that we were just in a church that the legalism and the man-made rules were choking out any relationship that we would seek with Christ. Through God's goodness, we were led out of that. 
and and into a relationship really and at that point that is when we came to really know him and and just dig our heels into the word and so again the gospel stretches across our lifetime and it will never ever end until the day that we are no longer here the lord let us out of all of that and that's when he led us into the deeper relationship with him. So that is how we came to to where we are now. Sure. Emily, that's beautiful. I love that. I love that the Holy Spirit just led you to know that this isn't right. This isn't what I've called you towards, to legalism. I, as believers, we can think of something that, oh, this is good and this is a holy thing. But mm-hmm. then we can start to worship that holy thing as opposed to worshiping the Lord. And in those moments when we're Mm -hmm. putting the pedestal, that's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was Mm -hmm. a good call to leave that and, Mm -hmm. and to do that. And I love that he uses that. He uses that to draw you even closer to him. Yes. Yes. He's so good to us in that way. Emily, I'm sure it took a lot of courage to make those steps and probably a lot of second guessing, even in the process, just to find, am I really following scripture? Am I discerning this properly? Betsy teaches that the heart is comprised of the mind, will, and emotions. And if you just have the mind and the will, you will have a lack of joy and mechanical worship. And you're not motivated out of love for the Lord, but you fall into legalism. Yes. If you don't have the heart, like we can obey rules. It's easy for us to obey rules. Right. Yeah. And often those rules do replace a relationship with Christ mm-hmm. because they're man-made constructs that we can look at and say, oh, I've hit the mark there, check. I've hit mm. the mark here, check. Instead of genuinely seeking our heart out and aligning it with where Christ would have it to be, sure. it's almost easier to turn to those rules right. and yeah. not seek a relationship. So it's easy to fall into that trap. But if the Lord's calling you out of it, then I think, you know, you need to obey and then trust that he will show you the way out. Um, Because when we did leave that, that meant that we left all relationships. Mm -hmm. And so we started over again and it was scary, but God was so, so good because he brought just the right people in at just the right time. And I can look across our life and he has done that. Every time he's called us out of something, he has called the right people into our lives Mm -hmm. and without us even seeking it out sometimes. So he's so faithful that way. If he's calling you to something, it's always for something great. That's so true. It reminds me in the story of Abraham that God called him out and he did not know where he was going. Mm -hmm. Like just start walking. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll I'll <laughs> I'll let you know where you're going, but he called him out and he laughed and he obeyed and he didn't know where he was going. Right. And so often I think sometimes we are like, well, I'll obey when I know where he's taking me. Mm-hmm. And we don't always get to know that. And so being obedient even when there is not clarity and there's confusion of exactly what he wants you to be doing, but you know in your heart in the depths of your heart that something isn't right here and he's taking you out, but you're not sure what that is that he's taking you towards. Mm -hmm. Just being faithful and trusting him and allowing the time for him to reveal that to us. Right. And if you think about Abraham's story, he was in a thriving area. 
God said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in the name of a town you don't even know. And then I'm going to make you a promise and I'm going to take 25 years to fulfill it. And then even that's not going to be easy. We yes. can't in our humanness, we cannot have the plan right away. Right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah. Whenever he removes you from a spot that you feel most secure, he will always surround you with what is secure in his name. And then, mm. and then he'll make you okay with it in time. He's just, he's just been so good about that. I agree with that. There's a quote by Elizabeth Elliot that says, waiting on God requires the willingness to bear uncertainty, to carry within oneself the unanswered question, lifting the heart to God about it whenever it intrudes upon one's thoughts. And I, that has been instrumental in my life on times where I don't know what to do, but I need to wait because he's not providing clarity right now. Mm-hmm. And and that's okay. We're so quick to run into something and just want to be able to know exactly what's happening. But sometimes... Yes, that's a hard, that's a difficult spot to be in, but it deepens our relationship with him. Yeah. and And it just means utter dependence on him. And it's a beautiful place, but probably not a place we would volunteer to be in either. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. I'd prefer to know exactly what's happening (laughs) and where, what his plan is and what he's thinking in any given moment about something. But there are times though, the verse that says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. There's times where I love that verse and I am so thankful for that verse, that his mm-hmm. ways are not my ways. And there's other times where. So stuff we've heard from both Jen and myself. So what is your story of how you came to Christ and what did that look like for you? Well, I can really, really relate to both of your stories. It's probably going to sound funny, just the same ages and similar circumstances, but I was also four years old when I clearly heard the gospel shared by my babysitter's daughter. Her name was Amaria, and she was just such a sweet, dear friend to me. And so I can remember we were both in princess nightgowns, and she (laughs) said to me, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And then she explained what it meant. And I can just remember, I mean, vividly, clear as day, saying, Yes, of course, that's what I believe. Mm -hmm. And we knelt down together at the coffee table. And I feel like you, Jen, that I I can honestly look back on my life and I don't think there was ever a day I didn't believe in God. I see that as such a gift that the Lord gave me the gift of faith, that that's never been something I've questioned in my life. I've known that there is a God and that he is good. And that the greatest thing I could ever do with my life would be to serve him. And so I did grow up in a Christian home. Parents, I think, had set the groundwork so that when I heard it laid out so clearly, and and I'm sure that I had heard it before, but that day is just what really stands out. And my mom was very sweet to do things like make Play-Doh with us, the colors that I liked, homemade. And then to build dollhouses and things like that. So I have some really sweet memories of that time. And then we moved to a town a couple hours away. I truly loved Jesus. But I can also see how the Lord has continued to refine me 
I was always trying to be such a good girl. And I could see the different circumstances that my parents were going through different trials and things. And I just thought, I don't want to add to any burdens. I just want to be a blessing to them. And then when I was quite young, I suffered um, some abuse by a neighbor. And I can see how the enemy used that in my life to confirm that I wasn't good enough and that I needed to work. I would say that I truly believed everything in scripture, but the process of accepting grace. My head has known that, but my heart hasn't always known that. In a very small town, and we went to an amazing church, but it was pretty far away. And I did not have a solid Christian friend until I went to college. And that was pretty lonely. And my brother and I are very close, I think, because of it. Hmm. I mean, I had great friends, and I'm not trying to diminish that, but just to have that connection with a friend that truly loved the Lord and strengthened you and encouraged you in that. I didn't have that until college. The Lord used those years to be my best friend, to be my everything. I did have a love for his word, but it wasn't until I was in college that I was surrounded by great Christian friends. And I was so excited about campus ministry. And I was at a public university, but that meant that the people who were in campus ministry were so on fire for the Lord. So I had amazing fellowship with them. And <laughs> the campus pastor's wife, she was just a couple years older than us. She became my mentor and was an incredible influence upon me. I actually lived with them for a semester and I got to see how they raised their family in such a godly way. And so it was neat to add that on to the beautiful things that my parents had taught me. And I am so thankful that I have a savior that does redeem it all. But my story is definitely not wrapped up with a pretty bow yet. I'm in a season of suffering. Elizabeth Elliot says, suffering is wanting something you don't have or having something you don't want. And I like that mm -hmm. definition because it fits mm. so many circumstances. And I just read her book, Suffering is Never for Nothing. Mm -hmm. I feel that the Lord has asked me to give everything to him, every desire I had, even the purest desires that I had. I can really relate to the woman who broke the alabaster jar. And I can see many times in my life where it's like I broke it at his feet and gave him everything. And then there are some days where you just kind of want to take the jar back. Can mm -hmm. I just have it back? Can I just have that thing back that I gave you? Because this is harder than I expected. And I didn't know the sacrifice would cost so much. And he's so worth it. But I do find that I am more in need of him every day than I think I've ever been in my life. To be faithful, to find joy in him. When it says in Nehemiah that the joy of the Lord is our strength, I feel that. And I see how when I seek him in his word, just the joy that he gives me, I'm so grateful for. But I also have to fight to stay in that. and. God can relate to every every struggle, every trial that we have that it says in Hebrews that we do not have a high priest who cannot relate to our suffering, but he was tempted mm -hmm. in every way. And I find that whatever I'm feeling, whether I'm feeling rejected or lonely, of course Jesus felt that way. I've been reading in Ezekiel, like God's heart has been hurt by his people before, and it's okay when we hurt. He gets that. And so I found that he is the most worthy place to take my pain, and he will trade it for peace. He will lighten the load. 
but it doesn't mean he's going to make it easy. And it doesn't mean he's going to give me enough manna so I don't have to come back the next day, you know? And I've learned to embrace that, my reliance upon him more. Hmm. In the last 10 years or so, my dad passed away very tragically when I was pregnant with my firstborn. And and my dad was always ready to listen to me. And I truly miss his presence in my life. And then shortly after that, my father-in-law passed away. And then my sweet mother got engaged. And then that gentleman passed away. And I loved him. And then with my husband struggling with MS, the Lord has allowed so many people that I would turn to for answers to be removed from my life. And he has become the one that I run to for everything the problem solver. He is my helper. And I can see how I've had this pure love for the Lord, but I needed to be strengthened. And my prayer for a while has been that I would be like Jeremiah 17, when it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And I can see how the Lord has done that in me, where a lot of anxiety that I've had in the past, He has taken that because I've seen how when I've gone through these hard times, He stayed faithful. Whether it was my son being in the hospital multiple times and getting a scary diagnosis and we didn't know if he'd ever walk again. And, and really hard financial seasons of my husband losing jobs and being unemployed for years. And God has been so, so faithful that that tendency that I used to have to be anxious, the Lord has really shown me, I don't need to fear. He's going to be faithful. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to show up every time. And the testimonies that I have of his goodness are so precious to me. I'm truly grateful for the fruit that he's borne in my heart, that he's allowed me to know him on a deeper level. And I think what I want people to understand about the gospel is that it just has nothing to do with us, that mm. it's all about Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us. And when I look at that, how can I not give him everything? But he didn't just die on the cross for us. He desires to meet with us every day, to do life with us. And that gift is the greatest treasure. Hmm. That's beautiful stuff. I think the joy of the Lord is something that he is calling us to, but we fully experience it when we come into his presence. Mm -hmm. And in his nearness, there is a joy beyond our circumstances. I think the fruit of following is steadfastness, mm. and he grants that to us. And it's not something we can work for, and that's the beauty of it. It's not something we can work for or earn or do more or prosperity our way there. It's something that he lends us, and it's just given so freely. But we have to do the yielding for it. If you're interested in learning more about this peace and joy that surpasses circumstances, we would love to talk to you. You can reach us at 1-240-20-AGAIN. That's 
1-240-202-4246. We know you're busy, Mama, so we are truly grateful you joined us for this episode of Again. If you're looking for more information about building your home on the foundation of Jesus Christ, head to www.entrustedministries.com to learn more about our study for moms entrusted with a child's heart. This scripture-saturated study has blessed families around the world, and we want it for you too. Before you go, I want to pray this benediction over you from 2 Thessalonians 1, 11-12. We're rooting for you. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Until we meet again.